0: directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Someone who, if she were Frankenstein's monster, I would not set on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Ariel! (laughs) thank you i think yeah i kind of tried to come up with that in the minute like on the spot i don't know how well it went (laughs) if you were frankenstein's monster i would pee on you to put you out is that better i don't think so.
1: (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) sorry man (laughs) how have you been i've been doing okay yesterday i had to leave the house for the first time in a long time for something that wasn't a dog walk what are you talking like a daredevil? I know, right? I had to go to a couple of appointments and I, like you, have been hardcore quarantining for almost yeah. a year now. So yeah. it's a it's a weird experience. And I think I learned two things about myself. Okay. Okay. One, my innate ability to be awkward in almost every situation. <laughs>
0: Has it survived
1: the <laughs> pandemic yeah it's not improved okay <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> somebody walked by me and tried to ask me a question and i think i forgot how to walk like wait which how do i move my legs how does this work again? <laughs> anyways the other is that real clothes are bullshit Okay. <laughs> oh,
0: yes, that's true. That I is very true. I have been
1: living in nothing but joggers, pajama pants, and leggings for a year now.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: I put on what used to be what I used to think were my most comfortable pair of skinny jeans, wore them all day. And halfway through the day, I was like, this is bullshit. Why did I ever do this? Why am I wearing <laughs> clothing? why am i wearing an, a bra with an underwire this sucks oh yeah yeah that's gonna be a rough adjustment when we get back out in the real it world it sure is right now i am draped head to toe in fleece and i'm loving it Ooh, <laughs> that sounds more good
0: yeah well, i also have a very flowy t-shirt and some <laughs>
1: leggings on
0: right now sorry yeah. I, I, we're, we're really bursting the fantasy aren't we <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry guys yeah yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do
0: me neither <laughs> I mean, I had to get dressed because I actually had guests and that was kind of weird. I put on clothes and then I'd be like, all right comfy pants time two hours <laughs> later i'm like we're settled in right right yeah yeah i'm gonna go put on my comfy pants you know just so you guys are more comfortable
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's for you not for me for
0: right <laughs> get these fucking tights off what was i thinking <laughs> yeah 100 i hadn't even thought about that aspect i'm so just so desperate to go out into the world again but you're yeah. right part of the the price you pay is in comfort all of my rough parts are all soft after a year there's gonna be some chafing. <laughs> I'm just, like, not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> you really opened a can of worms in this oh, comedy. Sure you were not ready for apparently. this. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess what, Ariel? Hmm. You know what time of the year it is? What time of year is it, Rachel? It's Women and Whore Month. Hey, Woo-hoo! wah, 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 wah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who needs a sound effect board when you have me? <laughs> I know. You need to create some stingers, you know? I know we need right? a wig cop one, too, that's like Ooh. a siren and then wig cop, wig cop, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: you're right. If I knew how to do that, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my friend Justin on Here's Johnny has an actual soundboard. Oh, wow. I know I think it was very expensive
1: but it's pretty cool when he like pops (laughs) out
0: of nowhere with a little sound effect it's it's impressive it's impressive we're gonna need a lot more patrons that. yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah
1: it's women in horror month are you stoked it's our time of year this is where female ascendant this month yeah no it's super exciting and it's amazing because there are so many women directed horror movies that are coming Mm -hmm. out this year Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. keeps growing and growing which is awesome
0: yeah. Every year we do a daily recommendation on our Facebook and this this year it'll extend to our Instagram and basically all our social medias, Twitters and whatnot. Parlay. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Big old JK. <laughs> but yeah, so this year when we were making the list, like in past years we kind of felt I felt like we kinda of had to stretch, especially you know, this is the 12th Women in Horror Month that we celebrated. We've right. been celebrating it since the first year. And I remember in that first year, we were on the struggle bus, man. It was hard.
1: And yeah. now
0: I just wrote out the list of things that have been announced as of January. And we had almost all 28 days covered. Then I was like, oh, well, we'll, we'll see if we can find a couple books, maybe some horror books to add to this list that we can get excited about. Girl,
1: Yeah, there's (laughs) a
0: whole another month just to cover the all of the horror novels coming out that are written by women this year. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I really feel like I mean, obviously we have nothing near parody, but I do feel like in these little milestone moments, you can really see that the industry has shifted
1: somewhat. Yeah. We're making strides, definitely.
0: Yeah. I always joke that I decided I needed to do this podcast after that Jason Blum interview where he couldn't be a single (laughs) female horror director. And as much as that pissed me off at the time, I kind of feel like that was a little bit of a watershed moment where people were like, excuse me, though.
1: Yeah, it does seem like it opened up conversations and for women to raise their hands and be like, hey, I'm here. I (laughs) exist. I'm not invisible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of excited. It's kind of cool to see that if you are someone
0: who wants to watch a lot of women created horror like us, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that. Because who knows what else is going to get added on the list. As of right now, there are at least 20 horror movies directed by women coming out in 2021. That's amazing. As of January... We're gonna go. We're gonna break the the third fourth wall here. As of January twenty sixth, when we're recording this, there are already twenty movies, and there are a few other ones that don't have release dates, but they could potentially also be coming out this year. So, I think
1: it's gonna be a good year for lady horror. Yeah, we're gonna have so much to talk about on this podcast now. It's amazing. Oh, that's the other thing we probably should talk about, huh? That we had a plan for what
0: we were going to be. Covering. Oh shit!
1: Yeah, we should talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Everybody, you want to break it down? I've
0: been talking a lot.
1: Yeah. So we had planned for this episode that we were going to review the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, but instead we are going to be covering a movie called A Nightmare Wakes because it is coming out on February 4th and we wanted to be able to cover it and talk to you guys about it. So we're going to push off our Buffy episode for a little bit later down the line.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, we're still definitely, definitely going to cover it probably
1: three or four episodes from now.
0: Yeah. So if you watched it, don't worry, we're going to talk about it. It's just gonna, some a couple of movies have jumped in front of it, so we're gonna cover those first, because like I said, they started announcing movies coming out, and we were just like, It'd be crazy if we don't cover these. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, had a, we had a Discord chat and we came to a consensus. <laughs> so don't worry, you buffy heads out there. We are definitely going to be covering that. <laughs> but first up, we'll be covering this one, which is kind of a perfect way to kick off Women in Horror Month because it's not only a woman-directed horror film, but it's a woman-directed horror film about one of the most famous women who worked in the horror space in history so i have the layers is what i'm saying layers we're layers deep here <laughs> right. right so so yeah so happy women and hormones to you and to everybody out there who's celebrating horn making ladies this is our time <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right anything else before we head into our review no one last thing Ariel, for those l- people out there who have are now listening
1: to us for the first time ever, first of all, welcome to the party. Secondly, what is our spoiler policy around here? Yeah, so we spoil everything. <laughs> the beginning, the middle, the end, we're going to spoil all of it. We're going to talk about all the twists and turns in a movie. This one, by the time this episode is released, you might not have quite seen it yet, but I think you should still listen to our podcast. If not, though, go check it out on Shudder and then come on back and Listen. I think we should maybe just give some general thoughts for people who are like, is it worth my time? Should I watch it? No, no, no. We'll
0: give those thoughts and then we'll dig into the review before we get into the major spoiler section. So, hang out. We will put up a spoiler wall so that you can at least find out if this is the type of movie that you want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, but before we do that, so this is a spoiler-free area. Ariel, can you tell me a little bit about the director and the production of this movie? I know it's not out yet (laughs) so it's (laughs) fairly limited but anything you could find out i would love to hear
1: all right so uh like you said there isn't a ton of information out there yet because this movie hasn't been released yet so there aren't a lot of interviews with the director so this week like we said we're covering a nightmare wakes directed by nora Unkel. i believe that's how you say her last name but it's possible it's pronounced some other way i haven't been able to find any audio of her saying her name herself so Unkel. Unkel? Un- Unkel? <laughs> you know what? It could be any of those, honestly. I get it wrong just about I, every time. I, I think so it's I quite obviously that last one. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So <laughs> she went to high school in Davis, California. She graduated from NYU Tisch School of the Arts, which is super impressive. Yeah. She earned a degree in film and TV production, and she minored in music and history. Oh, cool. that's interesting. That, I mean, you, it's so
0: f- interesting to watch what their backgrounds are and then what kind of films they end up making. And a lot of times, like in this, I feel like you can draw really clear parallels between that background and this film
1: yeah totally Mm -hmm. especially the history part of it yes yes specifically yeah so previous to a nightmare wakes she directed four short films two of which she also wrote and then from 2012 to about 2016 she worked in the sound department on a bunch of short films there were just a ton of them that she did that for and she did everything from operating the boom mic to even being a sound editor cool She then co founded Wild Obscura, which is a production company focused on content for women, by women, and about women. Oh, interesting. That's really cool. What is it called? Wild Obscura. All right, I'm noting this. And she's produced close to 20 short films. So she is currently a writer, director, and she also does post production supervising work. Hmm. So. She is both the writer and the director for the film A Nightmare Wakes, which we're reviewing today. And that film is about Mary Shelley and her process and what happened to her while she was writing Frankenstein. So Nora Unkel says that what most people don't realize is that Frankenstein is really a metaphor for motherhood and a story about miscarriage. Because that's exactly Mm. what Mary Shelley was going through as she was writing the book. But for some reason, she feels like that's kind of been lost and people don't talk about it as much.
0: Yeah, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, so she wanted to tell her story through the lens of the horror of losing a child. She also said that she feels like Mary's struggle with love, loss, abandonment by society and her family, and her struggle with losing a child, it hasn't fully been captured on screen before. And she really wanted to do that with this movie. And Mm -hmm. sort of as she was studying Mary Shelley's life, she kind of came to realize that they shared some similarities. She started seeing herself in Mary Shelley's struggles, and that made her want to tell – The story, you know, set in history, but with modern imagery and modern sensibilities. Mm,
0: Okay. Okay.
1: She also took a lot of care to be historically accurate with the lighting and the design, but then chose to cast a racially diverse group of actors to play all the different roles.
0: I did notice that. I did notice that. I would, I I thought that was cool.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. So, oh, and it was also shot by a majority women production crew. Oh, dope. And other than that, I don't know really anything else about the movie or the director. It does premiere February 4th on Shudder, though. So since I didn't have a ton of information about the production and the director, I looked a little more into the history of Mary Shelley while she was writing Frankenstein, because obviously that's what this movie is about. So I just wanted to share some stuff about that that I thought was really interesting and that might sort of be good to know before watching the movie. And I mean, I had no idea what an interesting life she
0: led yeah really troubled but totally fascinating
1: yeah yeah I think she's a really interesting woman and it would I would be curious to read a biography about her now that Mm -hmm. I know sort of a little bit here and there about her life yeah definitely yeah so one of the things that I did not know about her is that she's the daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft who if (laughs) that that name doesn't sound familiar she's a super famous feminist she wrote uh, the vindication of the rights of women Uh uh-huh I had no idea that they were related. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy, how right? That. Yeah. <laughs> so sadly, though, Mary Shelley didn't really get to know her mom because she died shortly after she was born. I don't know. This is sort of veering off, but it's so sad because apparently what happened was that just that the doctors and stuff that were involved in her giving birth contaminated her body essentially, and she ended up with an infection and dying. Oh,
0: shit. Is yeah. that what happened? I saw yeah. something about like a fever, but I didn't realize it was actually related specifically to...
1: Yeah, because I guess they weren't using clean technique back then. No,
0: they were not. No, they were not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so when she was 16, that is when she started her relationship with Percy Shelley. He wasn't that old, but he was a number of years older than her. I think he was around 22 at the time. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, he's a famous poet. You might know him from his poem, Ozymandias. I think that might be the only one I've read of his, but... So she got together with Percy Shelley, and they had this sort of tumultuous love affair. He was married when they got together, and his wife was pregnant at the time. Their relationship was not approved of by either of their families, and it was not approved of by society either. So that proved really difficult for them. Because of this, she and Percy ran off and went traveling, and they took her stepsister Claire with them. And then in 1816, Claire, her stepsister, was pregnant with Lord Byron's child. Although I was reading that I guess there were a lot of rumors that it was actually Percy Shelley's child she yeah. was pregnant with. Yeah. yeah. So after Lord Byron fled to Europe because he was involved in his own scandalous life that people weren't approving of.
0: Well, I mean, he just didn't want to be killed for sodomy.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, because <laughs> it was a capital crime at that point, apparently.
1: He was just yeah. like, I gotta go because he was bisexual right and then there was also i also read that he was people thought he was having a relationship with his sister oh i didn't read that one so i don't know if that's actually Spicy. true or if it's just something that people thought because people suck i don't know
0: one fun detail i don't know if you saw but when percy was sort of courting her they would meet at a cemetery the yeah. cemetery where her mother was buried and they had
1: sex on her mother's grave right
0: yeah she lost her virginity to him yeah i wasn't sure if i should bring that up or not i mean i just think it's so like awesomely gothy yeah, definitely. That, the writer of Frankenstein lost her virginity <laughs> on a grave. That's I don't That's know. True. <laughs> There's worse ways to do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, good point. Good point. All right. So after Lord Byron uh, fled Europe, Claire convinced Mary and Percy that they should follow him because she wanted to be able to go talk to him. So he went off to Switzerland, and they followed. Okay. So now I'm going to take us on a little bit of a detour. Okay. All right. So the story of Frankenstein is actually also connected to the story of the eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia.
0: Whoa. (laughs) This is new information. I do not know this. All
1: right. So that eruption was the deadliest volcanic eruption in history. Okay. It was huge. And the next summer, Europe was covered in a fog and frost and it destroyed crops they weren't able to grow because it wasn't warm enough so all these crops failed so there were famines because of this also there was a lot of political upset and then there was also a cholera epidemic that went worldwide whoa so all this was sort of happening at the same time a hundred thousand people died from the aftermath of the volcano at least a million people more died from starvation because of the famine And then tens of million people died worldwide from the cholera outbreak. So You thought 2020 was bad. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So how is this related to Frankenstein? So they went to Switzerland. They were hoping for a nice vacation out in the sun, but the weather was so terrible that they were trapped inside most of the time. So... Percy and Lord Byron became really good friends really quickly, and they abandoned all of their travel plans. And instead, they rented houses near each other on Lake Geneva. And they started spending all of their evenings at Lord Byron's mansion, which he had rented with his doctor, John Polidori. Mm -hmm. And they would read poetry and talk all night. Okay. So now while all this is happening... Mary is going through a really hard time because she has suffered a very traumatic miscarriage and she has lost three babies in infancy. Mm -hmm. So just a, a really rough time. Yeah. So because of the terrible weather and them being trapped inside all the time and everyone's lives being pretty dramatic, they started to have conflicts with one another. Lord Byron was annoyed with Claire, the stepsister, for attempting to get his attention all the time. Mary was fighting off sexual advances from Polly
0: And Percy <laughs> was
1: just depressed. So okay. it was a bad time is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right, right, right. So the weather got really bad. And they ended up being trapped inside Lord Byron's mansion for three days straight. And the tension at this point was at an all-time high. And so in order to kind of combat that, they started reading horror stories to each other. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of the famous night that a lot of people know about when Frankenstein was created. Right. So one night, Lord Byron gave them all a challenge. Write a ghost story better than all of the ones we've been reading. And then they all started coming up with stuff. So Palliadori came up with one about a blood-sucking hero who apparently a lot of people think that he was actually writing about Lord Byron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. He later turned that into a novella called Vampire and it was the first vampire book to ever be published. Oh, really? So he actually beat Bam- Bram Stoker to the punch? He did. Apparently Bram Stoker read that and took some inspiration from it. Oh, a scandalo. Yeah, so Mary Shelley really wanted to come up with a story as well, but she was hitting a brick wall. She just couldn't come up with anything. Until one night, she couldn't sleep, and there was a terrible storm. It was like thunder and lightning, a big storm, and Would she you had... Would say it was
0: very, very frightening?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this Sorry. is why I'm friends with you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Shelley wrote later... I'm going to quote her now. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out and then on the working of some powerful engine show signs of life. Mm. So during this storm, she had a vision and that's what she saw. And, And she, yeah, started writing and she published Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus in 1818. Wow. Yeah. So I think the other thing that's interesting to know about Mary Shelley is that She lived a lot of her life with a lot of trauma because of these miscarriages and Mm -hmm. losing all these children, but also really dealing with sexism all the time, too. And the (laughs) fact that she was ostracized while she and Percy were together because she hadn't had an affair with a married man, the wife was pregnant at the time, and she killed herself. It's all really sad, but not really her fault, right? Right. But everybody ostracized her, her family, his family, and just the general public. And then Percy Shelley actually died at the age of 29. He drowned, but she had to live the rest of her life with people judging her and shaming mm-hmm. her for what mm-hmm. she did. So, yeah. Anyways, I thought well, that was all bullshit. pretty interesting to know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's really That's what I'm saying. And the thing is, is you're barely even scratching
0: the surface yep, of all barely stuff. Barely scratching
1: the surface. And I also, just as a disclaimer, want everybody to know... I did some research, but I'm not a historian. And so there were a lot of conflicting accounts that I was reading about some of the details of these interpersonal relationships. So Mm -hmm. if anybody is listening who knows more than I, please feel free to contact us and I'll make a correction in the next episode.
0: But I wish that would be a very in-depth biopic of her. I know that there are some, but something that really kind of got into her whole life because it's fascinating. Yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, it's real life Bridgerton. Only yeah, really yes. fucked up. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially because there were so many affairs happening and, uh, and just rumors spreading all the time. Yeah.
0: Uh, they believed in free love. Right. So it was, I think there was a lot of intermingling. Although I don't know how much mingling Mary Shelley did. I feel like she mostly had emotional affairs is from what from what I saw. Although Percy was a little more hands-on uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's great that's great context for this because as someone who didn't really know that much about her life going into it i didn't realize how much of it was actually historically accurate till i started reading and i was like holy shit okay
1: yeah she put a lot of it into the movie it's yeah it's impressive
0: yeah and, I, and knowing now that she has a history background i feel like that makes so much sense yes exactly yeah. and it's
1: also probably why she tried focusing on the lighting so much in this movie too mm-hmm. making sure everything looked right yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Big Robert Eggers energy in this. Yes. Sure. Good point.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I have the synopsis for this movie, but it is full of spoilers. So I was thinking for those people who haven't had a chance to watch it, because it does actually hit Shutter in three days. So why don't we give our general thoughts about this movie? Nothing too spoilery. And then I'll get into the synopsis and then we can really dig into it. Okay. All right. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I will say I like this movie quite a bit, and I do think it's worth a watch. And I think if you know a lot about Mary Shelley's life, I don't know that you can really spoil plot beats. It's based on a true story. But the one thing I will say, I think this is really important, is that if you're going into this movie expecting sort of a Frankenstein-y sort of horror movie, that you may set yourself up for a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, that is so true. Yes. Yes. There are definitely horror elements to this, but I would say that it's much more a psychological drama than it is a straight up horror film. So if you're expecting something more like Frankenstein itself, you're going to be like, what is this? But if you're looking for a really fascinating character study with really cool visual style, then I think you're definitely in for a treat with this movie. Just be very clear about what kind of movie you're expecting.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this movie has a lot going for it. I think there's some really good performances here, especially Mm -hmm. by the actress who plays Mary Shelley.
0: Yes. And
1: like you said, it, it looks great. There are some really cool things that are sort of touched on with her emotional journey and how the writing of Frankenstein bleeds into her real life. I think people will really enjoy that, but you're right. I think you'll only enjoy it if you go in knowing that this isn't a reimagining of Frankenstein itself. Right, right. It's much more of an emotional kind of... It's a biopic
0: by way of horror movie trope. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Sure. And if that's interesting to you, or if, if Mary Shelley herself is interesting to you, then I think... You're gonna have a really good time with this movie, but if you are just looking for something spooky to throw on on a Friday night, you may this may not be this 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 isn't the movie for that particular kind of vibe. That's all. Still definitely worth checking out, I think. And I don't know about you.
1: I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. There are a lot of things I really liked about this movie that we'll get into in more detail, I'm sure, after you do the synopsis. But yeah, I think it's it's totally worth checking out. And if you're like Rachel and I, where you like some of these more character-driven, emotional stories with touches of horror, then you'll probably like this as well.
0: Definitely. All right. That is it for the spoiler free zone. We are now entering the spoiler zone. So if you want to watch this before you hear our full complete thoughts on this subject, pause, go watch it on Shutter. Come back. We'll be here. Otherwise, uh, everything is on the table. So consider yourself warned. And, and it is worth a watch. So, you know, choose your own adventure at this point. <laughs> okay spoilers here we go here is the synopsis of this here movie film all right it's a film about mary shelley surprise surprise. (laughs) price which of course we all know her best as the author of frankenstein duh it's essentially like i said a biopic uh, written through the lens of a horror film in the time period in which she wrote that story. I know this, we're all repeating things here at this point. When this movie opens, she's in the house that they rented near Geneva with her lover, Percy, and her stepsister, Claire. And they're spending time with a bunch of the other romantic writers like Lord Byron, who we've been name checking. And one night, it's basically kind of starts with the that fateful night where he challenges everybody to tell them a story and basically what follows is all of the things that inspire her to write it you know it basically kicks off with a miscarriage now i don't they don't go into the fact that this is actually not her first miscarriage you kind of get the some the idea that maybe it is based in this story so there's some deviation from the real life that is just because it's it's not a historical document so but it's pretty close with this miscarriage she starts having these nightmares that inspire her to create the Frankenstein story as she goes deeper and deeper into her grief and in her creative process her life, it just sort of spins out of control and the story that in her head starts bleeding into her real life and her connection to reality gets increasingly hazy as these sort of hallucinations become more and more convincing and she has trouble separating victor frankenstein from percy or her sister from i can't remember the character's name lizzie elizabeth i don't know yeah, um, i'll go with that sure whatever. <laughs> So what makes this even worse is at some point she realizes that she's pregnant again after a, I guess, marital rape occurs, which is not great, but (laughs) it's Percy who kind of gets pushed away because she sort of insists that he marries her and that sours their relationship, which is already kind of rocky to begin with. And that separation and that emotional withdrawal pushes her further and further into this sort of creative madness. And when her second child arrives, she finishes her story, but then the kid dies, and she essentially blows up her whole life. And the movie ends with her raising her one surviving child, Percy, and being comforted by the manifestation of Victor Frankenstein. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> it is—it's uh, quite the emotional uh, roller coaster. Although I guess it doesn't really have a lot of emotional highs. It's uh, an emotional. <laughs> cliff dive (laughs) dive. (laughs) which is weird to say that I liked it but I did yeah so what did you think tell me what worked about this movie for you
1: yeah so I touched on this before but I think the performance by Alex Witten Regan who plays Mary Shelley is really solid yeah the movie without her being good at what she does would not have worked because so much of the emotional story is told through her actions and really her facial expressions and yes. she does a great job the camera focuses on her face through so much of this movie and i think that she pulled that off and, and did a really good job i also really liked the kind of juxtaposition between these brighter happy scenes where they're outside having picnics right and then everything inside is very dark and shadowed and candlelit I think some of the scenes maybe got a little too dark but I really appreciated that
0: <laughs> at some point to... I was turning lights off I'm yeah like, Shit,
1: I can't see yeah so <laughs> I think that's a problem but I do appreciate the attempt at trying to make it sort of historically accurate with the use of candles mm-hmm. are you picking up my cat screaming in the background
0: no I wish I was okay.
1: <laughs> So I also think that the movie does a really good job of highlighting the emotional turmoil that Mary Shelley goes through because of the miscarriage and the death of her kid. It -hmm. sounds like from everything that we were reading that that's something that she definitely struggled with in real life. And I think this movie really shows just the impact of that Mm -hmm. on her. Okay, one of the other things that I really liked about this movie was all of the ink and blood imagery in this. Yes, there is, yes. I mean, this really shows sort of the gore of pregnancy and miscarriages, but also the ink, all of the ink stuff I thought was really great. It mm-hmm. bleeding onto things, into her clothing. There's this really cool scene where you think she's crying, but then what drips down her face is black ink that she's yeah. been writing with. I think all of that for me worked really well and was really beautiful, but also has that kind of haunting, ghostly sort of thing that you see in a lot of more like haunted house ghost story movies. I mean, I just love the
0: idea how essentially her blood and her tears became both metaphorically and visually interchangeable exactly. with the ink. Yes. Like she's pouring herself, the story out of herself. It's literally her on the page. And I just think that's, I don't know, I thought that was a really cool touch as well.
1: I also think that the visions of Victor Frankenstein are all pretty compelling. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about the scene where Victor Frankenstein or her vision of Victor Frankenstein goes down on her while she's next to her husband who's sleeping in bed.
0: I mean, I think it ties into this idea that the monster is basically just something that's constantly craving love. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that ties into what Mary Shelley was experiencing as well as just sort of that... That wanting nothing but love, but feeling nothing but horror and abandonment.
1: Yeah, because at that point, he's pulling away from her so much.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, he literally like rolled away from her and is just yeah. like, leave me alone.
1: I also think that the director, Nora Uncle, did a really good job with the way she filmed some of the scenes. There's this one scene where they're at a party at Lord Byron's house and. In sort of the dimness, there's all this kind of debauchery going on in the background where Mary Shelley is just standing there and the light's all focused on her. And then the camera kind of slowly pans forward, just focusing on her face. There are some things like that where it showed the director's deft hand where I think in the next movie or two, I would be really curious to see what she does because I think there's real talent there.
0: There's a visual style kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You want to see develop a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. So those are the things that I like the most, other than just the fact that I think this movie has a cool feel to it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it does have really interesting style.
0: Yeah, like I said, I I ended up really liking this movie a bit. I was a little concerned in the opening scenes, particularly with Lord Byron. I was like, oh, no, no. When it it was very (laughs) idyllic, it was a a little over the top for me. But Mm -hmm. as the movie progressively got darker and darker and really focused in on what was happening sort of in the internal life of Mary Shelley herself. I, I myself was very much drawn into the movie at that point, because a lot of times there's a character that I'm really interested in and the movie isn't in this movie. And I were aligned. The only character I had any interest in was Mary herself. And maybe it's a con that we really don't have any, any idea of the internal life of anybody else in this movie, but I was most compelled by her. So I was happy to just kind of live in her head. I agree with you, Alex Winton Reagan's performance was really strong in this. I was looking over her IMDb, and it looks like she mostly does voiceover work. Oh, that's interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, she's done a ton of video games, cartoons, all kinds of stuff. Very little in front of the camera stuff, and I, I I was really surprised. We need to get her in front of the camera. Yeah, I'm impressed. Doing live action stuff a lot more, because I think... Her performance is so gutsy and so vulnerable and totally unselfconscious. And it it, it requires her to do a lot of intense work. There's a lot of sex scenes, but there's also a lot of real emotional rawness and vulnerability that she has to communicate. And I feel like she really nailed it. And and the character herself is extremely nuanced. On one hand, she's very relatable and, like I said, very vulnerable. And so you feel, have a lot of empathy for her. But then she also is very, she's a, she's kind of awful at other times. When she goes through her postpartum and is just completely out of touch with the baby because all she cares about is Percy. These are very human, but not necessarily very likable traits. And yet she's able to kind of strike this balance. She never loses you as the audience and i think that speaks to her performance quite a bit it felt extremely nuanced as opposed to just like wild shifts that don't necessarily make any sense there was a lot of depth to her performance so i think she really nailed it i also did not know anything about mary shelley going into this and so i think if you don't have all that background it'd be very easy to assume that shelley might see herself in the victor frankenstein role as the sort of the creator the person who's bringing the story to life so i Not knowing all the backstory, I thought it was really interesting that instead it posits that she's the monster Mm -hmm. instead. Right. And, you know, and once you take a look at her life, you could see how incredibly painful it was in so many ways, particularly around all of the reproductive issues and her super tumultuous relationship with Percy. And so you can really envision how she might see herself as this monster made of pain and suffering. And one of the reasons I think I'm not a super big Frankenstein fan is because it's just so sad But now that you know that its origin is this pain, you can really see how she channeled so much of herself into that character. It makes me kind of retroactively like Frankenstein a little bit more. I just think it's a really, it's a really interesting idea to really kind of tap into some really deep internal life of this author is, I think it was really cool. I really liked that quite a bit. I also think it's kind of, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but I do think it's interesting that this movie is about watching her struggle to have a child or, you know, have a child that survives. I mean, eventually she did have one that made it, but we see her lose them time and time again, or we see her lose two, but we know that she lost them time and time again. Well, at the same time through that process, she ended up essentially conceiving a story that has become immortal. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, that's beautiful. Right. There's some irony in that. And it's just, I think it's very compelling that she basically created, there's a quote in it about how the monster is fearless. So that gives it power. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you could almost hear her saying those things. She's been through so much. She found she created some sort of power out of making the story. And she's this woman who has essentially lived her entire life in an incredibly precarious situation. You know, both her father and her husband were always in debt, always on the verge of going to debtor's prison. And as a woman at that time, she had to rely on her partner, but she still found a way to harness her own power. It's kind of cool. And through, through her creativity and through her pain, it's, yeah. it's just an interesting idea. And we know who Lord Byron is. Chances are you've heard of Percy, but everybody knows Mary Shelley.
1: You know what I mean? That's (laughs) kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just visually, I love a Regency drama. Like, I always joke about how I I never watch anything except for horror and sci-fi,
1: but unless... There is a costume <laughs> unless there is a costume. So like right. you pretty much when I, when I saw the the beautiful lace sleeves on that one dress of mm-hmm. hers, I was like, Ooh, Rachel's going to love this. Yes. I could have used
0: a little bit more yeah. of the fancy. It was not quite fancy enough for me, but I did. Any of that is always going to work for me. The aesthetics always they always pull me in. But I did like the sort of starkness and the coldness and the sense of desolation that I guess came from using the period appropriate lighting. So ultimately, the movie made me think a lot more of mother than it did something like Emma. <laughs> right that's a very
1: good comparison i got i got a lot of
0: mother vibes from this movie that's
1: interesting i didn't think of that but yeah yeah mm. you're kind of right i
0: mean that movie just lives rent-free in my head so sure. that's probably like yeah. anything vaguely referencing it my brain's <laughs> like remember that time you watched mother twice and i'm like why did i do that twice
1: <laughs> wait you had to watch that twice well i mean i watched it and then i watched it for oh, zombie girls and then you watched it for the podcast but gotcha. I, I fucking Damn. love that bizarre upsetting it is amazing and punishing Punishing. punishing i don't know that like i i might take a decade before i revisit that one i
0: don't know i think i don't know why it's so compelling to me but it is and this had a little bit of that woman out of control falling further and further into this dream logic in this house out in the middle of nowhere very much captive to the men in her life having no agency as her mental health is spinning out of control that all felt very mother to me and i say it as a compliment because i really love that movie even though i know it's extremely divisive (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i thought it was good i thought the score was solid it's not anything you know that's gonna stay with me but i felt like it was effective in terms of adding to the mood it was not jarring but yeah so overall i really like this all right cons what are maybe some things about this movie that did not work for you ariel okay so you touched
1: on this a little bit already but (laughs) lord byron (laughs) (laughs) so not everybody's acting was good (laughs) i think with lord byron they were trying to do this more sort of ostentatious personality and i felt like it really didn't work no it was was too over the top and silly which didn't fit in this particular movie
0: weirdly fratty
1: yeah yeah i just i really didn't like that at all i think honestly i think that there is some questionable acting in this movie the lead is amazing but i mm-hmm. think percy shelley's performance isn't always he's great. better as
0: victor he's much he, better he's as victor much
1: than, better than, than as percy me. percy was creepy to me victor i was like okay he could get it yeah the stepsister was fine but i don't think she fine. was fine yeah <laughs> she's just fine yeah not everybody in this film is actually british and i think it showed yeah and some of the accents were a little hit or miss yeah well, yeah i i totally did the google too i mean <laughs> i was helped. listening and i was like wait a second that person's not
0: british there's a lot
1: of americans doing yeah, british accents are. in it yes, like if are. i did
0: an accent right now that's what it would sound exactly. like so, you know, like knows like. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. If you Whereas... want to hear
1: my British accent, join our Patreon and listen oh, to our bonus that's episode right. that's coming up. <laughs> that's right.
0: It was so funny. I love it. I was like, okay, you got to do
1: the accent. And you're like... I hate this game, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes! (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah, so not all the Americans pulled off those British accents. They weren't perfect. I think that's especially noticeable towards the beginning of the film where they're in the film more. As it focuses more on Shelley, that that kind of fell to the background for me. And it didn't bother me as much as it did in the early stages. Okay. The other thing is this movie is only 90 minutes, which I appreciate. But I do think there were some times, especially in the first half of this film, where it dragged a little bit for Mm -hmm. me.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Like I said, I I struggled. I'm with you. I struggled early with this movie. I was a little concerned. But as she spiraled, I was much more compelled. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. But I think
0: that's part of my problem with I'm sorry, did you have more stuff and I'm no, cutting go, it? No, go okay. for it. I think it's, I can come back to it. Is that as strong as Reagan's performance is, nobody else really pops in this. Yeah. The closest would be the Victor character, but even that's not, it's just, they were mostly fine. Lord Byron, which we've talked about, was a little bit of a struggle, but they're mostly fine, but they just in no way were meeting Reagan where she was at with her no. in terms of her performance. No, And not so. Close. On one hand, it benefited to make her feel even more isolated. She was definitely on her own island, but it also meant that she was the only one that was elevating the film.
1: Yeah, she's the most compelling part, which I think she should have been. It's just that there were other characters in this film. <laughs> and, right. And it, but the movie doesn't
0: seem to really care about any of that no, at all. It so it does That's
1: true. We know who they are
0: in terms of their bio how they relate to mary but we don't have any idea of who they are right
1: yeah that's very true so one of the things i really liked about this film were the way that they did the visions of frankenstein but i almost wish that stuff was a bit more fleshed out Mm. and we had even a little bit more of that because i think that it was really compelling How that was bleeding more and more into her real life. And she was having a harder and harder time telling the difference between her visions of Victor Frankenstein and the reality of her world. But I don't always think that Victor Frankenstein was as compelling as her reaction to him. No, that's true. That's fair. So the only other thing that I would really say is that you mentioned this in the synopsis that there are two marital rape scenes. Yeah. So Percy comes home drunk. She says no, and he rapes her. And then there's a scene later where he's passed out drunk and Mary just has her way with him. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I think that their relationship in real life seems like it was tumultuous enough. There was enough scandal and interesting things happening there that you didn't need to add that. And I feel a little weird about having people who really existed in real life in that role. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Having them both commit rape in this movie. When we don't know that that happened. And they're real people. Feels a little icky to me.
0: I also feel like the movie kind of implies. That both of the kids, the kids were conceived. In those two it situations. It sure does.
1: Which yeah. I think is an odd choice. <laughs> I completely agree. I really think you could cut those two things. Out of this movie entirely. We already know that she was struggling. With connecting to Percy. That he wasn't being you know a great partner to her and then later that she maybe wasn't being that great to him I don't think we needed those scenes I think they should have not made it into the movie that's fair
0: I'd be curious to know because I know this movie was supposed to be historically accurate if any of if there's any evidence in her letters about that but I do yeah. feel like if if it doesn't actually exist in the historical documents you're right should have got cut <laughs> Yeah. It I mean, doesn't I would really be add to, to the story. You know what I mean? And that's when things cross over from being into areas of gratuitous for me. Right. Exactly. Does it actually say, does it actually add anything to the narrative? Is it just for shock value? Are they trying to say something about the, like conceiving these kids? You know, I, I don't know that, like I said, if it's not historical, if it, that it belongs in the movie. Yeah, totally agree. So I have one other con and this is a me con. Okay. This movie is not super misophonia friendly. <laughs> oh God. Shit. I didn't even think so about that. When you were talking about her bio and you were talking about how she worked in sound and stuff, she was having some fun with the sound. I was yeah. having less fun with the sound. <laughs> oh. The lapping waves right to open up the movie. I was like, ooh. I don't know if it would be as bad if I wasn't watching it with headphones on, but there are a handful okay. full of moments because I was watching it on my, computer with headphones where i was like oh no i'm triggered so, for people who are very sensitive to that there may be some moments that are a little uh, misophonia intense for you oh
1: i'm so sorry i eh. didn't even notice must be nice
0: it's like it's like people who aren't afraid of spiders and don't have misophonia what a free life you must lead. <laughs> yeah but overall with though aside from those quibbles some of them bigger than others one kind of big one, and the rest of them are kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I did like this movie, and yeah, I would me recommend too. it to people, especially if you're interested in the history of women in horror.
1: Yeah. And I just love the idea of exploring Mary's emotional state while she was writing the book. I yeah. think that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And having the book and the real world kind of crashing into each other in this movie, I think is, yeah, is very compelling. And I think people will enjoy that part of it. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So
0: check that on Shudder when it hits Shudder on February 4th. And if you're enjoying the show or you have some thoughts on our review or something you'd like to hear us cover, drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple podcasts or Stitcher, or whatever it is that you're finding us. And if you are looking for something to watch tonight while you wait for uh, Nightmare Wakes to hit the shutter, check out our video-on-demand calendar on our website, where we keep track of all the upcoming streaming and video-on-demand Horror and horror adjacent films coming out and let me tell you there's some good ones coming soon especially now with the whole hbo max thing where they're releasing all the movies at the same time oh, as theaters yeah. we got the godzilla versus kong coming out we got all kinds of good stuff coming <laughs> so definitely head over to our calendar check that out lots of good stuff all right that leaves us with our plan for the next episode now this is a me pick yep. and again we got the slate of all the stuff coming out on shutter and it was just like woman director woman director woman director and i was like yes please all of those i want to put them in my eyes so i selected a movie <laughs> that i know nothing about except for the title and that it is directed by jennifer harrington and that is a movie called shook and that hit shutter on february 18th so check that out and we will be reviewing it on our next show all right that is it for us, unless you are sticking around after the show for our extended episode for patrons only, which if you want to join our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls
1: and sign up there. So yeah, I guess that's it for us. Ariel, you want to take us out? Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode where we talked about A Nightmare Wakes, and we hope you'll come back next time for our episode on Shook. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Happy Women and Hormuz. Whoa,
0: dropping stuff. But I picked it up on myself because women are doing it for themselves. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Sharton.